Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the Doctor and his good old-fashioned doppelganger as they travel the Vortex and arrive at episode number 305, where first things first, but not necessarily in that order. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. And this week, the part of Glenn will be played by Barry White. I'm Glenn. <laughs> Hi, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> he looks a little prickly, almost like he's been taken over yeah, by a cactus. A, yeah. That's been, a... uh, my doppelganger here. How are you guys? <laughs> <laughs> it seems like an odd question to once, ask. Once again, I'm in recovery. <laughs> this is twice in a month. Thanks, twice. And, and this is recovery from something different. Yeah, this is completely different because last time was a uh, stomach bug. Now this is all chest and cold. So, If Glenn sounds a little muffled, we have him sequestered from the rest of the table wrapped in plastic. <laughs> <laughs> Sectioned off is the bubble boy. I cannot deny I'm sitting here with no small, no small amount of slight satisfaction. <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you said last time, you got the shot, so that would have prevented this. <laughs> no, I just like you being uncomfortable. Oh, so. <laughs> uh, thank you. Did you have a decent week before you got sick? Yeah, I don't remember. It's been all a fuzz, but I did see uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Did I say it right this week? You did. Yeah, that's right. Because okay, I keep calling it every other thing. <laughs> and I don't know that I could give it a fair review. Because my initial thoughts were it's really, really slow starting. And it's it, get, it there's there's a lot of fun moments in it. But overall, I didn't think it was the great. It was all that great. I mean, it was, it was fine. It was nice that they used the Harry Potter trappings. You know, you're in that universe. But it's a different, completely different story. And it does interconnect some of the backstory. But it just it seemed scattered and it seemed not well put together. The acting was good, but I wonder how much of that is I wasn't I was already starting to get sick on Sunday and I was feeling bad already while we were there at the theater watching it. So I don't know how much I have. I think it's one of those ones I'm gonna have to rewatch and say okay. So for what it is, I think it's fine. It's I didn't hate it. It was good. good the, the reviews good I movie. saw were very similar. Um, while they had a lot of fun watching the movie, it, there were issues and. A lot of the same things you brought so that's, up. It's probably a valid point. And it, it sounds like a lot of that is because it's J.K.'s first actual screenplay that she's written. So she actually wrote the screenplay. Yeah. I think she wrote the story. Because I think it, she wrote It says both. written by, but I didn't see if screenplay by. Yeah, so. I think I saw that it was both. So anyway, it's 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 got a good it's got an underlying story, but it's got a it's it's just a lot of fun chasing down. It's there's fun, funny moments, and that's pretty much what the whole movie is comprised of, is fun and funny moments, so I don't know that that makes a good film, but I had fun watching it, I guess. When, when it comes down to it, that's one of the most important things, as long as you have fun watching it. What'll happen is we'll get you know four more of them, and in the fifth one, all of those fun little funny moments will suddenly tie together and become a massive plot thing, and you'll go, yeah. oh! <laughs> or it'll be a last-minute plot thing like Horcruxes. I, I think they'd have to, yeah. I think they'd have to <laughs> really have to tie in the beasts because that's really, it's really run around catching beasts is what it is so it's like a Harry Potter Pokemon yeah <laughs> kind of except for Newt is the is responsible for the beasts getting out in the first place so it's, I don't know anyway so not quite 
this really just came about because they, you know, the Harry Potter series wrapped up, and there were uh, just a, a bevy of English actors who were a little upset that they hadn't been in one yet. <laughs> and Except so it comes over to the we, America we, for most. For I the know movie, that's so. the weird part. Of it. <laughs> the only part of that statement that was true was Harry Potter had wrapped up. <laughs> the rest of that was Warner Brothers said, "How can we continue to make money? How can out we of this? make money off this?" Well, apparently Eddie Redmayne did audition for Tom Riddle, and didn't get the oh. role. So. Oh. So some of that is true. Eddie, uh, Eddie know, Redmayne wanted he, to be in Harry Potter. <laughs> he is he's uneasy. He's an uneasy character in this to to, to watch, mm-hmm. but he does it so well. He's, he's a really so good actor, well. despite Jupiter uh, ascending. It's uneasy. <laughs> Why is everybody got pick on that one? It's he was even chewing the scenery in that one. It gets props for attempts, but you know. His role's uneasy in a good way, don't get me wrong. It's not like you're going to sit there going, oh, gosh, I can't believe I'm watching this guy. It's, he's just he's awkward, and I like that. It's, it was well done. No, that's good. <clears throat> Did you, you go see it? I didn't. I didn't. I, we didn't get to go see it either. Uh, I watched, I'm still behind. I want to go see Arrival. And I yeah, I want to see that, too. that one either. Uh, I watched Now You See Me 2. That is the quintessential empty sequel. It lost all of its heart. It lost all of its magic somehow. <laughs> it became a stupid heist film that wasn't very good. See, I still enjoyed it, but I, I mean, I agree with you. I don't think it had quite the it, magic it, it of the first fun. one. But it just, yeah, it was just, yeah, all right. Like I even kind of went into it with a little lowered expectations. So like, I, I don't think he can be as good as the you know, surprising as the first one was, and I still enjoyed it. But yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, then we watched the Nice Guys. Which I really enjoyed. It, not as great as Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Uh, I think the overall story isn't as good, but the chemistry between Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling is on par with Val Kilmer and Robert Downey Jr. It is just on that aspect of alone. It's totally worth watching. It's really good. It's really funny. Uh, yeah, a lot of fun. And then Christmas shows up at the end. So. <laughs> I was kind of I was I forgot that you had mentioned for it, and I was waiting for it, waiting for it, and I thought well, this isn't set at Christmas. Oh, all right. Oh, there it is. <laughs> uh, and then we watched Warcraft, which was okay. You know, it wasn't that great, but it wasn't horrible either. It, it The justifications of the bad guy don't seem very fleshed out. Yeah, I don't know. I, the video, I, this is the video game. Right? Yeah, based off of World of Warcraft and Warcraft. It, it just seems... And it, the way, it, unfortunately, it ends feels like it doesn't feel like a complete movie it feels like they're setting up a bigger universe and sequels and if it had been a standalone movie and then we got a sequel i might have felt a little differently about it but it was just kind of okay and then i don't get a good enough resolution to make me want to continue well the good news for the people that uh, want to see more it did really well overseas yeah that's so what i was telling sarah will, uh, that <laughs> It will no it undoubtedly bombs get here, a sequel. But it, yeah. yeah, it may come out on DVD here, but <laughs> at least in theaters over there. Yeah, that's, I think that's been all I watched. We watched Money Monster. Oh, the the George Clooney. George Clooney, movie. which was which was good. It was uh, it was a very. Um, I found it predictable, you know, it's like as soon as it starts and they kind of set up, this is what we're doing. It's like, oh, I know who the bad guy is here. It's this guy, <laughs> you know, and it was. But um, it was an, it was it was an enjoyable flick. Um, and there was something else that we watched, but I'll be honest, I can't remember now what it was. So, continuing on with next gen and you know all those other fun asides that we do. So, well, let's move on to news then. 
uh, B- uh, the the BBC America aired Power of the Daleks on Saturday. Yay! Yay! Episode one. Episode one. Boo! We talked about this a little bit last week, or Sean touched on it with the schedule, but uh, it slipped under our radar for the most part that it was going to be weekly, and that seems like a huge... I still think they changed it. I I know. I'm pretty sure they did at some point and just didn't announce it. Uh, But if you do have a cable subscription, you can watch online if you missed it. And you can watch the color version is available now already, if you have a cable subscription. Of episode one. Of episode one. And uh, it did drop day and date on iTunes, so you can download it if you have the season pass on iTunes, which should have been an indicator to me when I pre-ordered. It said season pass. It didn't say (laughs) pre-order. But, uh, so if you have iTunes, and I think even... uh, Probably, I presume, if you bought it through Amazon or Vudu, is Vudu the other one that's offering it? Somebody else was offering it too. Uh, pretty much everyone's offering. Even uh, you probably uh, Google get, is offering it. Yeah, so you probably get one episode at a time that way too. But I can yes, verify that iTunes uh, episode one has dropped. I haven't seen if the color one has dropped yet, but because just the black and white was on there the other day. Uh, the color one has not dropped for Amazon, at least. So I don't know. Last so, time I looked, it wasn't on it's, iTunes. It's either. likely not on iTunes. <clears throat> but the black and white version is on there. So. Apparently, we'll get those as we as they go. Those of us that don't have BBC America right now, no reason to pay for BBC America right now when there's no Doctor Who on. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so I, I'm a little disappointed that BBC America decided to air it in that format. It doesn't seem to make sense or have as much staying power as I would like to think it would to come back week after week uh, for a classic episode like this. Yeah, you know. It, I'll, I'll tip my hand a little bit. I watched the first episode. I quite enjoyed it. I enjoyed the animation, but I'm also used to the style of animation because it's very much in the same vein as the other animated. They didn't. It's not. There's no, no wow factor there like I expected there would be. Although I, I watched part of it in that console shot of the rotor. Is yeah, there's some, there's, there's some, some good some shots in there, but I'm t- consistently throughout it. It's yeah. still that 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 computer animated, you know, real stiff walking figures, and I'm afraid that. By the BBC doing this, BBC America doing this, I don't know that's going to appeal to your average viewer. And so doing it a week at a time might even drag that agony out for some people. In fact, yeah. they, there might be people that came to the first one that aren't fans like us, that came to just your average viewer that came to the first one and may not come back. I don't know. Yeah, I, I would think the same thing. Especially in those who had got to go see it in the theater, then to have to wait week to week to rewatch it. I'm, I mean, maybe they would be more inclined because they've seen it already and so they know kind of more what's happening. But I would imagine that, especially knowing how these cliffhangers are in the classic era, those sort of cliffhangers don't work in today's society, unfortunately. It's, you got to, television is made differently now, and you can't expect people to come back week after week for the same situation. Even when BBC America airs other classic who, they air in a lump. So I don't know. I just feel it's, I, I think people's attention spans have gotten so truncated that y- you can't expect a 25-minute episode to from 50 years ago to still hold that same staying power over the course of a week today. It would be different Especially if they were airing it night weeks. by night. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I would come back n- the next night to see what, you know. Because then you, I'm only committing a week to it as opposed to, wow, I really have to block off the rest of the year to be able to finish this thing. Literally. Because so. if they don't skip Christmas Eve, it ends that day. 
I think what happened is they had one of their uh, they had one of their ha- they just had a half hour hole in the schedule from something that ended and they didn't have the next thing ready to go until January when you know that shows typically start and they went what can we do hey we've got Doctor Who <laughs> throw that in there we'll plug the hole and I didn't watch it on BBC America but I presume that it probably airs with commercials I would too, assume so, so too that's going to even kind of slow that down a bit too. <laughs> unless they which I am fine unless with. they did they the smart to, thing and did a lump of commercials at the beginning and the end right right I mean it's commercial yeah that, that would be a better idea but I mean it's commercial television and even though we pay for cable when we Get to get BBC America. I understand that that's how they make a lot of revenues. In fact, those commercials that play on BBC America, you could probably thank for Power of the Dogs getting made as an animated <laughs> film because BBC America put a lot of money into that. So. That being said, did either of you guys get a chance to go see the theater no, version? No, no. Okay. unfortunately. I really wish now I had. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, other bits of news. Some new Series 10 writers were announced over the past week, uh, and they confirmed that classic series writer is Rona Monroe, who wrote Survival, is coming back. Um, Yay! Yeah. So that's exciting. Uh, And then Jamie Matheson is coming back to write another episode for Series 10. Yay! We all liked his stuff, so. Uh, Rona Monroe's episode is called The Eaters of the Light. Ooh. It's a ghost light sequel. <laughs> <laughs> if it were Mark Platt, I'd believe it. <laughs> I figured, uh, what's his name or what's her name? Is it a woman that wrote Survival? Yeah. What's the name? Okay. Rona Moreau, I Monroe. I have a feeling she's going to figure out some way to pick up where Survival left off. So. <laughs> I think that would be really That's awesome. Some clever, <laughs> clever way. That would be neat. And our last bit of news is Big Finish announced they may release for unit the unit series called Assembled, and it is classic series and new series unit in one story. So, in addition to Jimma Redgrave and Ingrid Oliver. Uh, Joe Jones is coming back, Katie Manning, uh, as well as John Benton and Mike Yates, played by John Levine and Richard Franklin. Just Joe Grant dash Jones. <laughs> Joe, Joe <laughs> I Grant guess Joe Jones slash. is what she was called in the Sarah Jane Adventures, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, she, she married him. She got married, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, she married him right after um, uh, The Green, Green Death. Death. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's still weird and, to hear. And then Jago and Lightfoot, did I see that? I I did not see oh, that okay. one. Okay, I thought I saw them ones on something. And I thought, and I thought, how are they going to do that? But it's, it's like different. Let me era. look. <laughs> it's like a completely different era. Yeah. But, uh, Just for the record, Voodoo does have it available, Power of the Daleks, but it's episode one. Okay. I'm very excited by the unit news. I saw it's that. Really I saw exciting. that photo and was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> it it took me a second to. I, I actually read the release and saw. Katie Manning, and then I had to go back to the picture and go, oh, yeah, that is her. <laughs> I'm so used to seeing her young that yeah. it's it's jarring almost. It's so exciting, though. And they've done a really good job with uh, the unit story so far. Uh, so I, I Have you you've been listening to I've it, listened right? to the first two. I've not listened to the third one yet. Either that or the third one has not come out. I'm not entirely sure. The silence one hasn't come out yet. I know for sure. But. What are we going to put those on the schedule? I'm excited for those. Yeah. 
soon. <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers, huh? Uh, and I just saw... Do you want them on schedule? <laughs> <laughs> we appear to have a two-week hole with Power of the Dollars. So. <laughs> how's, how's next week sound? Uh, the fourth Doctor has also joined the classic Doctor's New Monsters Volume 2 box set, Knights of the Vashta Narada. Ooh. I just saw this news. I had not seen it previously. It's one of my new, my favorite new series monsters with one of my favorite doctors. It's, yeah, that's exciting. And having listened to the entire first box set, they do a really good job of that, too. So they know we're going to put the uh, classic Doctor <laughs> New Monsters on the schedule, Sean. We happen to have a two-week hole in the schedule. <laughs> We've now stuffed the two-week hole so full, we can't We've got get three weeks all. worth of stuff. Ah, <laughs> well, that's it for news. All the news, let's find the print. Let's move on to our review of Megalos. On dun, dun. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> on Tigella, two opposing... What? For real? <laughs> yeah. All right. Sorry, go ahead. We're <laughs> getting ahead of ourselves here. On Tigella, two opposing factions are irre- irrevocably divided over one fundamental issue. The de- dodecahedron, a mysterious artifact... Which provides the entire planet's energy. With the savants and the Dion's locked in a crippling stalemate and their civilization on the brink of collapse, the Tigellan leader Zaster seeks the doctor's help. But the doctor and Romana have been trapped aboard the TARDIS in a time loop by Meglos, the last of the Zulfa Thurans who will stop at nothing to steal back the, the awesome power of the Dodecahedron. Was that it? It didn't seem like enough, but that's okay. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. Dun dun dun. I'm a little surprised, Sean, that you liked it because you kind of were telegraphing for weeks on weeks on end that you didn't think you were going to like it. And you, you did I, say last week you didn't remember anything. I, I didn't remember much. I remember as a kid that the doctor turned into a cactus. I remember there <laughs> but were. But he doesn't. I remember there were carnivorous <laughs> plants. And I. Uh, that's about it, really. I mean, that, that's, I think, the, the, the gist of it. I remember not liking it as a kid, either because it was scary or dumb. One of the two. <laughs> just, <laughs> and this one did come late enough in the game that I was, like you, kind of starting to move out of the Who phase for a little bit, you know. Um, and um, so I, I, was, I was really kind of intrigued. I know fandom doesn't particularly care for this one all that much, it seems like. but Well, it's, it's almost one of those... One of the mill stories. It's very Doctor Who of showing up and this planet faction between the religious sect and the the scientific sect. I mean, the, the thing that stands out that's different about it is Megos himself. Yeah. Um, I was thoroughly confused throughout the entire first episode, aside from when <laughs> Romana and the Doctor were on screen. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on or what was happening or what people were even talking about. I'm going to blame some of that on exhaustion from working overnights. <laughs> I think too this this is you maybe can start to see the the trend into the fifth Doctor's era where we have those stories that seems like don't really focus on the Doctor for very much initially. Yeah, this feels more like one of those stories than uh, um, than maybe a traditional Tom Baker episode would. But I, I you know 
I enjoyed it. I thought it was, uh, you know, a little bit all right. It's, it's uh, like you said, it's not the greatest. It's kind of a standard run of the mill story. Maybe my expectations are a little colored because I really expected not to like it. Um, <laughs> See, and, and but, I didn't have as much fun as I thought I would watching it, considering the doctor is covered or Tom Baker is covered in a cactus. <laughs> I just I, the, the plot moved along. In fact, we got to when I was typing, and now the conclusion before <laughs> going into the fourth part of Friday Night, it was like, oh wow, we're already like. <laughs> Well, We're already that, done. Some of that, at least for me, is coming off of Inferno and some of the longer stories where we're breaking them up into two weeks. Uh, going back to where we're done in a week, it's always like, oh, yeah, that's over. All right. At least for me, anyways. I think we're gonna, we're, we should sandwich a, a seven-parter on either side of, like, Black Orchid. <laughs> <laughs> that was fast. But, no, I, I just... Um, I thought I, the effects in it were pretty good, too. The effects were good. I, I think there's a lot of missteps in this story. I think the, the fact that we, we bring back Barbara. Um, or not Barbara. Um, uh, what's her name? Jacqueline. Lick, uh, you talk about the character. It's Jacqueline yeah, Hill. But Jacqueline Hill, thank you. the character. Yeah, I, I think she was kind of wasted. Um, unfortunately, she and wasn't. killed off kind of early, too. Yeah, and for no apparent reason. Yeah. Which was um, a little disconcerting. But just... uh, no, I thought she had the most noble death because she's the one that saved Ramada even after she was the one that was pushing back against all of the well, yes. technology and all of the doctor helping and all that. And then even when it's discovered that the doctor's Megalos, she still has, or, uh, that Megalos is pretending to be the doctor, she even still has a little bit of that skepticism because she's so adherent to the religion. And for her to recognize that she needs to save Romana when Romana's, you know, being fired upon, I, I think it was the most noble day. I was, I, I loved it. I absolutely loved that character. I think that that's that was the most growth in a character in this story as well. But there was really no reason to put Romana in danger at that point, other than to kill the uh, the character off. It was kind of. I don't know. It's no, the the reason you kill the character off is to show that she's gone to the point to sacrifice for our heroes. I mean, uh, yeah, there's a point for it in the story from the story point. Um, it's, it's seemed, like, it seems self-serving. It's, it seemed uh, like, you know... It, it, okay. I'll give you that. I'm too sore to argue, so... <laughs> yeah, I got one. Daleks suck. Cybermen rule. Go ahead, argue with me, Glenn. Um, I think that, of course, I've made no... Uh, uh, can't even think today, either. I haven't been secretive of the fact that I like this story. This is I've I watched. I remember watching this as a kid, and I didn't remember very much of it. I watched it uh, recently. I don't, when I say recently, I think within the last two years or so, I still liked it a lot. And even this viewing, I, there's I, it, it loses nothing for me. I think this time I was able to. And there were pieces of it that I I, I kept misremembering too even from having watched it just a few years ago <laughs> uh, one of which being i kept for some reason kept thinking that it was the doctor that got possessed as you did as well i totally thought the doctor and, got possessed by the cactus and so when when, <laughs> when it started i was like oh yeah that, that megalos is the is pretending to be the doctor that i completely had completely forgotten about that uh anyway but the things that i were able to focus on this time were the effects and the use of the cso and the scene, Sing Sync, this was the first, uh, this actually was an experiment for the BBC. They were using a, a technique called Scene Sync. And whereas, uh, I think it was Underworld, where they used heavily with CSO, 
Um, when I say CSO, for those people that don't know what that is, that's green screen or, or coma key, as we sometimes call it in the United States. Um, that you had to lock a camera down, and you had to have your actors react on another camera, obviously, but you always had to have both cameras locked down because you didn't have the movement. This was the first story. This actually was one of the first productions in the UK that they used what was called scene sync, where they would sync two cameras up so that they could move in tandem, so you could move your background and your mm. actors at the same time. And I think that comes off really well in this because it, it looks dated to today's standards. But when you look at it from the perspective of the 1970s, when they're doing this against Chroma Key, it, it, it to me, I just I'm, I'm fascinated by how how well they pull that off and how good it looks. And I think the modeling, the models that they built, look incredible. Even though they're these little tiny scale models, because yeah. they're using um, the same sync technology. But I think the models look great. They're, they're, the underground fortress in particular is really yeah, impressive the, well, when it and, rises up out of the sand. And, and oh, the, yeah, uh, yeah. even the sets within the uh, city uh, itself as well. When they're, you know, just Everything just really, really looks good, and it shines. And it, it's, you know, I, I think we were, this was coming into the era of the more brighter tones and the, the you know, we were coming out of the Hinchcliffe era where everything was a little dark and... <laughs> And uh, even out of the, the even Adams, I think some of that era was still just kind of dark, you know. But now it, we get into this these brighter colors and, and more shiny sci-fi, and I, I think it, they pull it off really well in this one. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think this is a the, the effects, particularly more so than the story itself, stand out as superbly done. Uh, as far as the the, the story itself. There is, as we kind of pointed out there in Friday Night Who, there is some familiarity to the story in general because of the trappings of it. I mean, you got the the religious sect worshiping a power source underground that's beneath the planet of the apes, and then the fact that the the, the crux of the Megalos's plot is to steal the dodecahedron to power a giant weapon. That's the Death Star. I mean, it's there's so much. That's familiar with it, and that's not necessarily to its disadvantage. It just makes it almost—I don't—I don't know the—I don't want to say more palatable, but it just—it doesn't knock it down a peg in my standards, but it doesn't raise it up either. It just kind of leaves it in the middle, anyways. Because if you're going to steal, steal from the best. Well, that's right. Planet <laughs> of the Apes and uh, Star Wars. I will say though that the. The use of a cactus. <laughs> well, how, as why the is it a guy. sentient cactus? Well, because the two guys that wrote this were actually comedy writers, and they were, uh, they were, they had a show in, in I don't know if they were in the East End, but they had a show somewhere in the UK, and one of the producers came and, and saw the show, and they really liked the guys, and they said, "Hey, we'd like you to write an episode of Doctor Who," and so they jumped <laughs> at the chance. Their idea was to write it around the sentient cactus. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, unfortunately, what happened was I think that the director may have taken the story too seriously because <laughs> it, 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 it it's ripe for even more kind of witticism and, and humor. And I think the humor is still there, but it's 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 subdued and kind of underlined. Yeah. And unfortunately, I don't think that they the director went with the whimsy that the that the, the, the uh, writers uh, were going for. Uh, the writers of this, by the way, are John Flanagan and, and Andrew McCullough. And as a matter of fact, so much so that they're comedy writers that the character uh, Lieutenant Brodedak is actually an anagram for bad actor. 
<laughs> and uh, there's a there's a special on the DVD of, of one of the extras. It goes and and follows these guys years you know so many years later, thirty years mm-hmm. later, and they look back on the story and they talked about it and they they were a little concerned that uh, the guy that was playing who's actually at the time Frederick. Uh, Travis was kind of a renowned actor. He was kind of a serious actor, was well known. And apparently, when they told him that what the anagram was, he said, "Oh, this is great." And so, <laughs> it, the, the 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 intention of the character was to be kind of over the top and chewing scenery. And so he played it really up. He really up, up played it up. So and that comes across. But unfortunately, I think all of that kind of gets overlaid by somebody trying to do a serious Doctor Who story here. Yeah. So I think... I think it would have been much more enjoyable had it been more campy, a bit yes. more playing up the humor that, aspect that, that of it. That suddenly makes a lot more sense with this story. Yeah. Looking at it, just that looking at the cover, I would expect a lot more humor than we got. Yeah. I, I, I would expect some big fun thing, kind of almost Flash Gordon level fun to it, and it, no... It's, it doesn't quite reach there. Well, looking at it in that light, it now very very much feels like a holdover from the Douglas Adams era that maybe didn't get produced <laughs> under that by banner. The, by the right person, yeah. Oh, yeah. If it had been done then, I think it would have been done really well, and it would be a lot more, a lot better received. Interesting. Um, I want to give a shout-out to the prop makers for putting uh, uh, Christmas tree baubles on top of the guy's hats. Those outfits looked really familiar to me. Is it just because they were kind of Russian-inspired, or is it... Uh, I want to say something from Key to Time had very similar costumes. Uh, yeah, the one that guy had a big fur hat. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Another thing from that behind the uh, scenes documentary. Apparently, these guys were written as space pirates. And so when the writers came to the set to see the progress of what was going on, when they walked in... These guys were actually decked out like pirates. pirates. <laughs> they had pirate hats and pet eye patches and pirate regalia. And the, I don't remember what one of the guys said that just because we wrote space pirates, we weren't being literal about it. That was just kind of their style. And so apparently the costume department had to throw something else together to make it more spacey. And so this is what they came up with. <laughs> And I think you're right. I think it seems, it, to me, it seemed like, and they didn't say this in there, but it seems to me that it was a reuse from something. Yeah. Because they really come across more of a, uh, what, 18th century Russian kind of look. Yeah, you know? it really does. Or 19th century Russian. <laughs> For the same reason, you're not allowed to use the word knight <laughs> at all. <laughs> because immediately you're going to get guys in armor. <laughs> yes. Yeah, pirates going to get guys in Pirates are going to get uh, eye patches. And, yeah, uh, so... But I think you're right, Keith. It seems if it felt like there was some of that was reused, maybe from uh, Ribos operation. Yeah, like maybe some that's, 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 that's the one yeah. in particular that I think is, is is very similar. I think Tom does a very good job acting in this as as Megloss. I, I think he comes across as, as as appropriately creepy and and otherworldly, and yet still Tom, which uh, it was really an interesting um, vibe. Which is funny because a completely otherworldly aspect who um, that the doctor doesn't have. You yeah, can, you can tell Tom must like the story because we've commented on how Leisure Hive, Hive and Horns of Nymon, Tom seems to be kind of sleepwalking through the role, but this one, which I think is sandwiched between the two, 
is or or near to those anyway. Yeah, it's after Leisure Hive. Is uh, I think Horns was last. Yeah, season. very much more in 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 Tom's favor. He was very much. He, you could tell he was enjoying the part. He the acting came across. So I, I agree, and I think this must have been one of those scripts that he looked at and he really liked it, and so it also gave him a little bit. I, he's probably happy with it because it gives him a chance to play both sides because he's able to play the bad guy and the good guy in this as well. So. Yeah. And K9 comes back, which is always a plus, even though and, limited and use. But as you pointed out, get all terrain wheels yeah. throughout most of it. <laughs> really moving over some terrain. This yeah, <laughs> too bad his battery didn't last. Must those, have taken powering those, those wheels. Were <laughs> took a big toll on that on the on the on the battery usage. Oh, but it was nice to see some continuity from Leisure Hive and the beginning of that, and them just them kind of tucking K9 away in the. Tardis, and then he just didn't pull him out. No, look, he's okay. There was not, I, I really appreciated that aspect of They're it. Dealing with the uh, ramifications yeah. of the previous. Um, that being said, the you still, I think watching these out of order kind of affects that. And luckily, we, our memories are well enough to remember what, where we came out of Leisure Hive. But uh, that I'll being never said, forget Leisure a Canine going in the water and dying. <laughs> Burned in my main. That, that being said, it really it feels like it, it's another one of those instances where you know you see K nine they're repairing him, he's come back, they've got some usage out of K nine, and then suddenly the battery's depleted again, and you think they really didn't know what to do with K nine yeah. in these stories, and they really didn't. It, it almost comes across like they didn't want to use K nine in these stories, is what it comes across to as. So, well, and you sad. even get the reference earlier in the episode while they're fixing him of, oh yeah, I can fix his battery, but then he never does. Yeah, in this story, right? It's, well, why even mention that if that's not going to? Well, because I think that was the intent. <laughs> I think the intent was to use K nine more, but I Do think I they mean... just had so many problems with the the mechanics and the servos of it that it just became yeah. a hindrance to a lot of the directors, and so they figured out ways to write K nine stories. So, and some writers just didn't like them, so yeah. they yeah, wrote that, them out. That happened as well. I don't understand those people. <laughs> I mean, other than the K nine is almost as almost as big a crutch as the sonic screwdriver <laughs> i mean <laughs> at least that when the canine as a crutch makes and, and the way they use him as a crutch makes more sense than the sonic screwdriver yeah yeah he at least has multi-functions instead of just sonic yeah know? oh no i've been locked in a cell dog whistle <laughs> 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 thanks for letting me out canine i appreciate that canine <laughs> is very much a product of the Capture and escape <laughs> yeah. mode of Doctor Who. You know, the funny thing is that it's never bothered me. Nope. Oh, no. It's never bothered me in the. In it's the, in it's the because slightest. he's got personality. Yeah. If, if he were just a tool instead of an actual character, it'd be different. Yeah, that's true. If he were a Sonic or if they he pulled out a small little dog to do on the door out of his coat, it would be a completely different thing. <laughs> that would be a completely different thing if he pulled a small little dog out of his coat. <laughs> He'd be, he'd be Christopher Walken. <laughs> I brought kittens. <laughs> um, I somehow pictured the doctor running around with a little Paris Hilton purse with a little canine head sticking out. Beep. <clears throat> it's a man, man, man bag. Man bag, yeah. European carry-all. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> Um, yeah, so... One thing with this story, I I, I do kind of wish Ramana had gotten more to do, just because she is such a strong character that she kind of gets relegated to the back. I mean, she spends an entire episode 
Walking in circles. Yeah, taking pirates around the, the, the jungle and getting, uh, granted, doing it smartly to get them trapped by the plants, but it's right. still kind of like, really, you're going to waste an entire episode doing that? Right. Oh, all right. I didn't, uh, I didn't feel like it was a waste because I think it, it was enough time to set up what Megalos was doing in one uh, area of the story and what the Doctor was doing in another area of the story. I just really felt like it was kind of a way to allow that to play out before bringing Romani in later. And yeah, I guess having Romana and Ramana, the Doctor doing that thing, well, it would have resolved the thing too quickly. True, and if yeah, exactly. If Romana had showed up soon enough, then they would have the mistaken identity thing would have gone away yeah, too that's soon. True. And so I think that it, it, it works for the plot. You're right; she does kind of seem to be relegated to a pointless. The, the most Romana has ever been relegated that I can think of to the top of my head. It feels like. Well, yeah, but you got to remember, too, she just came off a story where she was very heavily used. That's true. Hive, so yeah. It wouldn't have seemed that way so much, probably, <laughs> to watch these in order. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think of the other Romana stories, and I remember. I don't uh, remember Lord, one Lord's where I thought, like... She's got quite a bit to do. Yeah. Uh, the E-Space e Trilogy. Probably the, the first E-Space Trilogy. Uh, the next one, which would be uh, uh, Full Circle. Full, thank okay. you. Full Circle, I think she had a lot to do. Um State of Decay, yeah, I think it's, it's pretty equal on, through, throughout the rest of, of her tenure. I'm trying to remember Nightmare of Eden, how much she had to do on that one. <laughs> yeah, but so That's I guess just having this one instance where she is kind of more relegated just stands out to me even more so. Even yeah. though while it does serve this purpose of the plot, it doesn't serve uh, the character very well. That's true. You had made the comment on uh, Friday Night Who Glenn that you know maybe we should do an episode on doppelgangers, and um, oh, I, I think you responded I, to, uh, yeah, I don't know why I wouldn't thought of it because there's a lot of that. <laughs> there's a lot of that. Um, I also thought that maybe we could do one on time loops because I'd kind of forgotten yeah. that aspect. I don't know why. Right. As soon as the doctor tripped, I went, oh yeah, that's this one. <laughs> and what um, they call it a chronic. <laughs> Chronic hysterectomy. I thought he kept <laughs> saying it chronic comes. hysterectomy. Oh, let's see if I can find it in there. But uh, I, I remember watching that over and over and over again and and thinking, wow, that would really suck. Because even I'm starting to get annoyed. You know, as a kid, I, I thought that. And now watching it, I'm like, I'd really like to see Peter Capaldi get stuck in a time loop. Can we bring <laughs> back some element of this kind of... And they, I didn't realize that they did it so much. I mean, because uh, coming off the key to time, that we get a repeating loop that other people are stuck isn't, in. And Isn't the Twelfth Doctor already stuck in a time loop in uh, the one where he's trapped in the... Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Heaven's... Uh, Hellbent. Uh, Hellbent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the biggest time loop of them all. <laughs> Billions of years. I guess spent it's, in it's there. not exactly a time loop because time is running linear. It's his. He's, 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 running, loop, he's but, not even looping because still, he's it's the same thing. Nah, it's, it's, a, it's the same it's thing. A, it's a copy every time, yeah. but yeah, it's kind of the same thing. Irony comes back to bite me again. <laughs> Chronic hysterious. Hysterious. That's what it was. Yeah. I kept thinking they were saying chronic hysterectomy. <laughs> All right. Uh, what else? You're right. You're so right now. That's a, the whole time loop thing is a joke. How they get out of it? It's a joke. I, I'm just now. I'm looking at this episode <laughs> in entirely new light, looking at this thing. If it's a comedy, if it's a comedy, because 
Well, let's just do what we were doing, and that'll break it. Oh, yes. Waggle his tail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Remember. How did I miss this? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, now you'll have to rewatch it. I will have we'll, to rewatch we'll it. Appreciate it even more than you already did. I, I think I do. I think I appreciate it a lot more. I kind of wish it had been made as a comedy. I, you know. Well, again, I think it, 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 it the underlying comedy is still there. It's just, unfortunately, it's subdued by trying to be a little too serious with it as well. So. Maybe that's what people don't like about it, is it was produced in the wrong light. It was, it was, it was directed and created in the wrong yeah. sense of how it was written. So that might be why people don't like it. I think if you if if it was a little more uh, overt with the comedy, and less subversive with the comedy, <laughs> then people might be more accepting of a giant sentient cactus. So there's that. I think so. And here's the weird thing, honestly. That's the least problematic part of the story. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Who's the bad guy? Giant cactus. All right. It's Dr. Well, because he's only a giant cactus for a little bit. That's what. That's why it works decently well, is because he does merge with that random human that they picked up for no reason. Don't you think that's the most problematic? No. You don't think that's the most? What's, what, what's it's, the it's most doc, It's Doctor Who. I can accept that very easily. Well, what's the most problematic thing? The, the most problematic, I think, is, 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 well, the tone, now that I know that it was supposed to be a comedy. Uh, I, I think pacing, it's a little off because you do get a whole episode where, I mean, yeah, you're right. It was done for a reason, but you do get a whole episode with we're wandering around in the jungle and we're setting up the doppelganger and the blah, 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 blah. And then well, but even it, in it that, kind of even, rushes to that conclusion even in once that we get episode, to the third, to the fourth Even part. in that episode, it's... Uh, there's a lot going on with Megalos and the Doctor still. Though. Yeah, you don't I mean, cut away too Ramon no. very often. No, it's, no, you it, don't. There's not a lot of meandering in that episode. I think that the, my biggest, I think the most problematic thing about it, if we're going to put a point of finger on it, is the complete lack of any sort of climactic resolution. Of being, <laughs> we just cut away to the the Doctor Ramon saying, "Okay, everything's fixed. Goodbye," and leaving at the end. And it's I not thought, even that, oh my gosh, it's a, I'm sure you'll do fine on the surface." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it was not just, even I fixed everything. It was, it's a, you're screwed. Bye. <laughs> it was a now. Good, the, good luck fending off the carnivorous plants. <laughs> every time that Big Finish does this from now on, I'm going to call it a Megloss moment because that's where they got it. From. <laughs> yeah, that is exactly it really where they is. Got it from. So yes, those those are, are, are problems that I I mean the plot when you break the plot down doesn't really make a lot of sense. So the dodecahedron's going to power this gigantic super laser weapon that Megalos has either appropriated or taken over his, his his headquarters. But the dodecahedron's on another planet, barely providing enough power for the people of this <laughs> underground city to like, why? How did it get there? Was it supposed to have started yeah, off there? See, was it? Yeah. There, there's so much that's not there, explained. There, there you go that, again, though. You're always you're looking for you're always looking for a backstory in the the simplest of stories, and you, you got to quit doing that. Every time, <laughs> no, seriously. Every time you come to a story, you go, "I didn't know enough about this. What coming into it?" I, I'm sorry. Sometimes with Doctor Who, and I, you think you'd know this by now. You think sometimes I would. Sometimes with Doctor Who, you just got to you, you get thrown in. You're just like the Doctor. You get thrown in. Although the Doctor had been there before, but you, you're just like the Doctor and the, the companion. You get thrown into the situation as it is. You don't get you don't get all that backstory, and and there's not enough time to do all of that. No, I get that part you, of it. When I mean, you make there's, that complaint, there's when things you, you have to sacrifice. When you make that complaint for a novel. I think it's 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 a genuine concern. When you make that point for a, a story and on a television series, that I think that's unfair. I think that's very unfair. You've just got to take the acceptance of the fact that their technology this technology is what they worship and they and it runs their planet. It's barely running their planet. 
okay, fine. Let's just go from there. I agree. I think there are, there, there, there are definitely... I can accept I, a giant fault. talking I ask, cactus. I, I cannot accept... I'm at fault. I ask you for the problems. I shouldn't have gone there. <laughs> I'm just saying... I mean, to some extent, I do have to agree with Sean because I I felt like... The, the fact that they had this Dodecahedron and it was power on their planet, I was okay with. Mm-hmm. It was why Megalos knew about it, how he knew about it, why he wanted to go get it... All of Megalos's who put him in that pot motivations. I could have used more. Well, it sounded like it was pretty common knowledge because even the pirates knew that they had. Oh, okay, this, I must have missed that part. Yeah, they even knew. I mean, they weren't surprised by it. In fact, they, Megalos was asking them about it. They were pretty much corroborating their story about it. So, I guess I just, I just needed more motivations for Megalos. Well, no, I know. I, I, <laughs> that's fine. I if you, if you both felt that way, then maybe there's something there, but. <laughs> Maybe it comes from us not having seen it as many times as you too. Well, that could be. Some of the subtle nuances that might be there. But I didn't get all of that background either, but I didn't care any any of the three or four times I've seen it. You just asked me to elaborate on why the cactus was not the biggest problem. (laughs) I know. I I opened that can of worms. That that is a... Okay. I have to say, I thought I the cactus close that can of worms the prosthetics now. was, uh, I was pretty impressed no by it. No amount yeah. of tinfoil will put those worms back in that can. <laughs> <laughs> They're too wiggly. But yeah, I have, I have zero problem with it being a talking cactus. That's, <laughs> that's, that's my Doctor Who acceptance for this episode. Yeah, all right. Talking cactus, why not? I need to look at the... But uh, the moon is an egg is an issue? <laughs> no, I'm the one that was all right oh, with that. Okay. He was fine. You, right, you and I right. had a problem with the moon being an egg. Uh, sure. I to look, I, I'm going to look at the uh, discontinuity guide when I get home and see what they thought of it. Because a lot of times they're in line. Paul Cornell, Paul Cornell and his crew that wrote that, a lot of times they're in line more with what that fandom thinks. In fact, I sometimes think these people that write books about episodes of Doctor Who sort of maybe soil fandom in a way they they become the the, yeah they set the tone for what fandom, well, and fandom especially thinks. for some of those who read those books before they ever actually got to see the episodes exactly. and so i kind of wonder if maybe we're the anti discontinuity <laughs> because a lot of times <laughs> we come to these stories and go i don't know what fans don't like about this so, or know. sometimes we go why do fans like this <laughs> yeah exactly yeah talents talons. yeah exactly <laughs> uh all right, it's about time to rewatch Talons and see if I still hate it. I know I will. But any uh, <laughs> any final notes on this, or do we pretty much summarize it? I think we all enjoyed it. Like we simply say, we just all enjoyed it. So. <laughs> all right, what do we got? I, I'm not. I'm just going to set him up really badly here. What do we you got coming up on the schedule? <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you've been following along through the drama that is Power of the Daleks being released, uh, we we planned on doing it for Friday Night Who, and then doing you a little something, and then coming back for Friday Night Who, and finishing it up, and then reviewing it. And we won't be able to do that because it's going to be released weekly by BBC <laughs> America. Um, you know, we're so hopeful that maybe we can get a copy, but I don't know for sure it's not going to happen. So I think we're going to have to bump it, and I'm not quite sure till when. So if we do, um, should we just should we just bump up Web of Fear and do what, that whole chunk, and we'll just push everything back? Is that what makes the most sense to do it? You know what? Maybe we just don't decide now on the show. Maybe we discuss this. And we'll put out something on the website and let everybody catch up that way. Catch us on the website. We'll figure it out and we'll let you know. Let's do that. We don't know what we're going to do next week. Just come back. (laughs) 
Keith, if people want to send feedback, where can they do that? Uh, they can go to our website also and s- click on the Send Us Feedback tab uh, and fill out that form, or you can send it directly to feedback at travelinthevortex.com. Uh, you can also reach out to us somewhere on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the usual social media. Just search for Travel in the Vortex and you'll find us. Sean, how can people support us on Patreon? Well, they can go to uh, our website and there's a support us on Patreon button and they can click that and give us all their money. <laughs> Which all of it goes right back into this podcast, and uh, we we use it to uh, to pay for server space and uh, and things of that nature, so that we can continue to not know what we're going to bring you the following week. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't go into scheduling, obviously. <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> Maybe it should go into lobbying. <laughs> Don't release these an episode at a time. But um, and of course, if you're and get, supporting us on Patreon, we thank you very much. That too. part. That's the uh, that was the important one. I was. Uh, Ah, words. Is there anything else before my voice starts to fail me again? All right, if that's good enough for this week, until next week, please uh, forgive all my sniffles and coughs this week. I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for Thanks listening. Thanks for listening. I was trying to think of something I could ask you to recite. <laughs> four score. <laughs> yeah, though, yeah. Get his work address. Do that. Ago, our forefathers. Wish for the Nile. Say, I want the Nile. <laughs> I want the Nile. No way! (laughs) You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.